Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of For Greater Knowledge, the official podcast of Tau Beta Sigma, the honorary collegiate service organization. My name is Leslie Garten, and I am your National Vice President for Communication and Recognition. On this episode, you'll hear the latest 2021 pivot guidelines, an announcement regarding 2021 virtual district conventions. I will pump you up regarding the black stripe for the Focus on Five campaign. The new President's Challenge will be unveiled and you will receive a special dual interview with myself and the host of the Kappa Kappa Psi Presents podcast, Bong Co. Without further ado, let's get started. As 2021 continues, the National Council of Tau Beta Sigma wanted to provide you with updated guidance regarding chapter guidance and the COVID-19 epidemic. Please visit our website, kkytbs.org pivot for a full list of updates in an updated guide. COVID-19 is continuing to affect our lives, our campuses, and our band programs, and we once again ask that all of our chapters follow the advice of public health experts and the guidance given to you at the campus, local, state, and federal levels, just as you have over the last several months. Thank you so much for your assistance. This next message is a letter from Marco and Adrian. Sisters and brothers, Almost one year ago, Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma had to make an unprecedented decision. The COVID-19 pandemic required us to change all district conventions from in-person events to virtual ones. Those online experiences included business sessions for each of our districts in the workshop event DC Alcoda, an exciting weekend of programming designed to bring members from across the nation together in one environment. At the time, we were hopeful that this was a one-time deal. No one expected that we'd ever have to open up the district convention pandemic playbook again. As this year has progressed, we have carefully watched public health guidance, releasing our own pivot chapter operations guide and updating it as the CDC and others provide additional guidance and resources. With the rollout of multiple vaccines and a renewed national commitment to taking basic and essential public health measures to slow infections, we have so much optimism for the near future when all of us can be together in person. However, we recognize that this future is still a ways away. And as organizations, we have a duty to keep our fellow sisters and brothers safe when also meeting the national commitment to protect public health. With this in mind, the 2021 district conventions will again be held in a virtual format. By making this decision in January, it is our sincere hope that we have the time to ensure that each district convention experience closely mirrors opportunities members would have had at an in-person event. Your national leadership teams and district officers are committed to offering this online convention experience in a purposeful way to all chapter members, regardless of their location, so that they can learn from and connect with other members of their district, national leadership team members, and even our local and national vendors. Throughout the month of February, registration for each district convention will open, and we encourage you to sign up as soon as you can. We can't wait to see you at our district conventions during March and April, and we want you to know that we are continuing to plan for what will truly be a celebration like no other this July in Grand Rapids, Michigan for our 2021 National Convention. Public health permitting, we intend to create a special convention experience to celebrate the 75th anniversary of Tau Beta Sigma to honor all of the incredible sacrifices made and triumphs reached during this biennium and to prepare us for being back together in person in our new normals this fall. We wish we didn't have to send this message because we miss being in the presence of each and every one of you. Thank you for all you do for our college and university bands, your commitment to and passion for bands and the art of music during this time of great trial is both inspiring and commendable. Much love in the bond, Marco and Adrian. Uh, the next thing is the Focus on Five Black Stripe. It is to promote and host a recording session or two for the 2021 National Intercollegiate Band for your music department. Chapters are also encouraged to have at least one member of their chapter audition for the NIB to increase the overall number of Tau Beta Sigma members selected to perform in this band. Refer to the TBS National Programs Guide for information on how to plan and execute an NIB audition event, and also find flyers and promotional materials your chapter can use as well to put your around your music building and on social media. 
For information on audition requirements for the 2021 NIB, please visit nib.kkytbsonline.com. So to receive this black stripe, you must post a picture of your flyer social media post for the event and pictures of individuals recording their NIB audition submission into the Focus on Five campaign Facebook group. And this is due April 15th of this year. Uh, next is the President's Challenge. As Tau Beta Sigma prepares for our 75th anniversary celebrations in 2021, we have a special opportunity to take note of our past, present, future, to learn from where we have been and to lay the path for where we want to be. The National Council challenges each member to reflect upon the character of your chapter, the unique challenges we have faced during the 2019-2021 biennium, the chapter achievements of which you are proud, and the legacy you want to leave for future generations of sisters. Then, together as a chapter, discuss and answer the prompts below, submitting your answers to be compiled together with the responses of other chapters and premiered for view during our 2021 National Convention. Your answers will become part of our official historical record, inviting future generations to learn about and understand this unique time in the sorority's history. First question is uh, talking about foundations. Thinking about your collective qualities and strengths, which five words best define your chapter? Talking about fortitude. The 2019-2021 biennium has proved to be extremely challenging for our band programs in our chapters. What are some of the ways your chapter has carried out even in the face of great trial? Achievement. Describe one goal that your chapter has proudly achieved in this biennium. What steps did you take to reach this goal? And lastly, legacy. What is your chapter's hope for itself when Tau Beta Sigma is 100 years old? What is your chapter's hope for the organization when we are 100 years old? Visit tbsigma.org slash 2021 challenge for more details on this challenge and how to submit your, resp your responses. We hope that your chapter participates in this challenge and be a part of the TB Sigma legacy. This is also due April 15th of 2021. Without further ado, let's listen to uh, the conversation that I had with Bob. Hello, uh, welcome to For Greater Knowledge, the official podcast of Tau Beta Sigma, the Honorary Band Collegiate Service Sorority. My name is Leslie Garten, and I am the Tau Beta Sigma National Vice President for Communication and Recognition. And hello, everybody. Hello, brothers. Hello, sisters. My name is Bonko, National Vice President for Student Affairs for Kappa Kappa Psi. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be a part of this production, a very special production today. Of course, usually with KKSI Presents, we have help from the National Communications Team, our Student Advisory Committee, and our editor, Ryan Smith, for helping us with the podcast. But today we have a special guests, actually two special guests, because I will also be a guest on this show. This is a, a new style of doing things where the, the interviewers are going to be interviewees as well. So we're going to be alternating questions here. Leslie and I will, will, will just kind of go back and forth with questions and we'll answer to the best of our abilities. And hopefully we won't provide too, too much cringe, cringe-worthy content. So <laughs> hopefully you enjoy this. Hopefully uh, this, you will find our responses helpful. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much, Bong. I'm really excited about this collab. I've been thinking about it for a while and finally we got our schedules to work out. So we're going to uh, alternate some questions back and forth to each other. So first, uh, my question for Bong is what is your Kappa Kappa side journey up to now? Well, first, again, I just wanted to, to mention uh, thank you for, for this idea. I think it's a great opportunity just to collab and show creative, innovative ways to, to bring content and, and moments like this. Uh, so for myself, my Kappa Kappa Psi journey, um, I attended Indiana University in the ever so beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. If you've never gone, I hope you visit someday. So I joined the Alpha Zeta chapter there at IU my, not my freshman year, but my sophomore year. And I've held positions anywhere from membership class president to chapter president. Uh, I also had the honor and privilege of serving as the North Central District Kappa Kappa Psi president. And really after graduation, I took some time off to focus on me, to focus on, you know, paying those student loans, <laughs> finding Great. a job, developing professional skills, and honestly, just to reflect on if I wanted to, to continue doing what I wanted to do or what I had envisioned doing with KK Psi. And now 
currently I serve as the vice president for student affairs, like I mentioned earlier in the national council. And I'm still learning a lot. I am still very grateful for uh, all the mentors and all the people in my life. So brothers, thank you. Sisters, thank you. So that's been my journey so far. Yeah. So my question, my first question for you, Leslie, I wanted to know if you could tell me and our listeners a little bit more about your start in TBS and what made you want to join the sisterhood? Absolutely. Kind of thought about this question and I wanted to deny it, but there's no reason to deny it. I was an 18 year old kid who was offered free food, which I could say is probably 90% of how our membership gets to where they are at one point or another. I went to the University of Northern Iowa. I became an active member of the Zeta New chapter. I will say back in the 2000s, we can call it back then. It was kind of, I was an 18 year old kid and we had marching band practice and there was an open meeting for our KK Psy and Tabita Sigma chapters after practice. And I kind of got told by uh, one of my section leaders, hey, you should check this out. So I had no idea what it was. I didn't know there was such a thing as service organizations. I just knew of um, social ones. from back in the day. So I think that first meeting I was hooked, honestly, I was like, wow, there's these group of people that love band and hang out and they're friends and they do stuff for bands, like Mm -hmm. sign me up. I'm there. So it kind of sold me from there. Yeah. And we're at almost 20 years later, we're at 19 years later and I'm still, still doing everything and still doing everything I can. So thank you free food for that opportunity which is where we're at, (laughs) but that's the way it works. Uh, So next question for you, Bong, Um, what tasks take up most of your time on the Kappa Kappa Psi Council? Yes, uh, I like this question a lot because I was like, well, what does it take up a lot of time? The, The first thing that popped into my head was actually the podcast itself. Okay. Uh, it was started by past VPSA Zach Humphrey, and I knew he had spent a lot of time on it. I just didn't realize how much time until I actually right. got into the role. Right. And I mean, and I think like even the initial stage, and we, we experienced this ourselves with our lives and, and you know, what happened with trying to uh, get in touch with somebody, trying to find a time to schedule the call, to put together the outline of the, and the script, do the recording. Right. You know, there's so much to the podcast itself behind the scenes that you don't know. So again, so for those of you who do listen, thank you, because it makes it worth it. So thank you. But I would say for me, the, the thing that I didn't realize took up the most time is all the reading we have to do from the emails that honestly, sometimes are just novels of information to the reports that we have to read. It just takes up so much time. And I, and for me, it's, you know, after a long day of work or activity, like the last thing I wanted to do is do further reading, but right. you know, it's a part of the job and um, I'm grateful for the challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so my question for you, Leslie, here is with your current position on the National TBS Council, what made you want to run? And was there a moment that you knew you were ready? Or like, how did you know you were ready to put yourself out there? Thank you very much for that question, Bong. That made me think a lot on stuff I hadn't thought about for a while, which (laughs) is, we're we're kind of learning, we're we're interviewers ourselves. This is our time during this, but yeah. So I am uh, the national vice president for communication and recognition for the national council of TBS. What made me want to run kind of, as I talked about it, It's been 19 years since I became an active member, and there's definitely been ebbs and flows of just different leadership opportunities. Uh, When I graduated college, I I had served previously as a district officer for the Midwest District. I was secretary treasurer, then vice president. Then from there, there was a call for the District Alumni Association. They had an opening for secretary treasurer. So that was, I think, about four months after I graduated graduated when I became a band director. And I was like, okay, am I ready? Should I take more time? Am I, I'm just like, this is a perfect opportunity just to see if I like life after college in the organization. And so it kind of went from there. Most recently before this, before this role, I was a Midwest district counselor, which I really liked. Uh, along with that, uh, we developed, uh, Top Beta Sigma, we developed our own education curriculum called Overture, which we definitely picked up ideas from Road to Wisdom. Like I feel KK Psy and a lot of things, you start stuff 
stuff. And then so we see that on the TBS side and go and it, it goes back and forth. Absolutely. But we saw that universal education program for members and we're like, yeah, we need to do that. So uh, Adrian Rawl, who was becoming BPM at that time, she needed people to help write the curriculum. And her and I have been close for a long time being in the same area. And she knew my teaching abilities. So uh, I became co-chair of Overture. During that point, during that two-year testing program and piloting program, we talked with chapters all over the country. Like we worked directly with the students and I felt that was kind of my big push. I'm like, okay, I love the Midwest district. I love those kids. I want to do that times six. I want to go even further with that. So that was the big push for me. And it didn't hurt that my name was out there doing all of those things. So long answer on that. I felt like I was ready to take this next step on serving on a national level from what I had done before from a district, from a chapter level, district level. I was on the executive council for the Tabita Sigma Alumni Association for four years before I became counselor. So this was somewhat, I guess, the next step. So yeah. Well, I, and I, I love to hear that because I think you show a good example that there's just not one single path or like laid out path for anybody to run and serve on national council like mm -hmm. there's different opportunities different ways to get involved and i think part of it is putting yourself out there and finding how you can give back and and what what aligns with your passion point so thank you for sharing yeah absolutely i think both organizations we use the answer the call sometimes mm -hmm. things present itself that you were not thinking you were prepared for or you see as a perfect opportunity I think it's interesting. Everybody has their own path. Some people go for national council 10 years after they graduate, some five, some three. It just, yeah. it's all, it's all conducive to what is needed and what you can do in a lot of ways, which I think is cool. Another, I don't think there's any light questions from either of us on this bong, which is not a bad thing, but what are you most proud of this biennium for your work for Kappa Kappa Psi? Yeah. So with this, well, let me start with this. It obviously has not been an easy biennium. Right. So I am very intentional about trying to show as much gratitude, appreciation, all the positive things that I can just to, just to keep me, you know, in the fight. Uh, but I would say with, as, as I was assessing this biennium, one of the biggest areas of need was the fact that our students were not provided the opportunity to do what they usually would in terms of connection, engaging in meaningful, important conversations, being challenged on things and challenging people back. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's those conversations that I find to be so very, very important in our growth as human beings and as leaders. So the work that I'm most proud of is honestly the day-to-day -day interaction that I get to do with our students uh, and our chapters and helping them and guiding them through their questions, their issues, their problems. And because they don't get to work together as closely as they would in a non-pandemic time period, right. they don't get to learn about each other's communication styles and mm -hmm. to kind of say, you know, what are the triggers? What are the issues that, you know, we should work around in, in a more sensitive way. So the work that I'm most proud of is just being able to have and promote those conversations with our students. To be more specific, I am very passionate about the work that I do with our student advisor committee. And the way that, you know, I've taken what past VPSAs have done and built on top of that to improve what ways can we help our student leaders, our elected student leaders lead? And, you know, from, you know, for one example of that is, you know, we went through the Clifton Strength Finders and each district officer went through and took this assessment to find out what their top five strengths are. And then we did a little bit of self-discovery through a workshop. It's like, all right, so like, what is your communication style? You know, your, uh, your counterpart or your council members, like what are their communication styles? Like, how do they like to be motivated? What are the things that they look for in the work that they do? Because it's not just a, you know, one size fit all. Right. So for me, it's it's that student development experience that I think continues to engage them in important and meaningful conversations, equipping them with the tools, the resources, the connections to continue developing solutions and, and growth. And finally, just empowering, empowering our students to take ownership of their experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just being frank with them, like, look, this experience sucks right now and we're going through COVID and it sucks. We get it. But right. what can we make out of this? Are you right. just going to sit back and be like, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't get to do what I usually do. Like, I think it's important to acknowledge that. But what are, what, what are you going to do on top of that? You were elected to lead. You were chosen to be a part of these organizations because you were the best of the best. What can you do? So I think to me, that's, that's the work that I'm most proud of. Absolutely. Going got tough. So what are you going to do to get going as yeah. 
<laughs> what needs to be done. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So my question for you, Leslie, here, just looking at serving on national council, I want to know what has been the most challenging part about running. Um, I think that Sometimes we don't often look at the, the part of running and I, I wanted to shed some light on the campaigning process, the run process, so people can know what it's more like. And if you wouldn't mind, like what advice would you give someone who's wanting to run for next biennium? Absolutely, yeah. And this is definitely the time to think about that. I think we'll have listeners on both sides just listening and going, finding something hopefully that will get some sort of trigger on this, getting people's passion points in there. I think uh, one of the biggest challenges is just figuring out how to put your passion into a three minute, basically stump speech. There's a lot of uh, preparation to do, which I think you can absolutely do. It's something, both organizations, I feel so many people, if not all of our members feel passionately about in every, in lots of different ways, just getting that conveyed is hard to do. It's such a personal thing. And it's really hard, I think, to convey your own personal feelings about something you feel so strong about while convincing others that that's something they should feel strong about too. Like it's, it's messy. It's definitely political in a lot of ways. I know we both have seen that from our fellow council members, from our brothers, from our sisters, like just finding that natural groove in there. I'd say best advice I could give is to talk to your current national council. Like we're not up high living in Stillwater, like unavailable to talk. Like we're here to serve the students. We're here to serve future leaders. Talk to us, ask questions on what you're curious about. It's not going to hurt our feelings or anything. There's, we, we encourage it. We want other like-minded, passionate people to help lead this organization. Also talk to students that you are comfortable with, that you know, find out what needs need to be addressed, I think, and figure out if you are a person to help address those needs. This is definitely, these organizations is very much a selfless situation. We kind of go to that week in this week, this year it'll be in Grand Rapids where there's a lot of posturing and grandeur and stuff, but there's 51 other weeks of the year where, like you said, Bong, we're sitting for an hour every night responding to emails, doing the not as fun work. So, and that's okay. Like that's, that's kind of what it takes. I think there's just a lot with it, but don't be afraid. If you have that passion for it, don't be afraid to try. Like there's nothing ever that's going to be wrong with trying. Thank All you. Right. I, appreciate that. I, I, I think that's definitely yeah. going to be very helpful as people start to really think through this process and like how they're going to do it and just kind of give them them like that, like direction rather than because it, it can be very like, all right, I put my packet in like now what? It's like there's 15 different ways I could go. What's the right way? And that's that's something that takes time. Don't rush it in a lot of yeah. ways. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Next question for you, Bong. Uh, what challenges have the national Council of Kappa Kappa Psi faced this biennium? <laughs> that is another loaded one. Good luck with that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say, like, what haven't we right. faced? You know, what, what sort of challenge haven't we faced yet, right? So, you know, on top of, of the pandemic, on top of moving uh, major events virtual, I mean, there's just all aspects of our organization that are affected, even down to, like, the, the, the pennies that we get from our members and from our, from donations, because it's just a tough time for our country. It's a tough time in general for the world. So something that specific I'll mention, and my goal is not to get too deep with this, but I think that something that needs to be talked about and is being talked about is the fact that as an organization, Kappa Kappa Psi has to come and face a lot of the inequities of our organization mm-hmm. from past decisions being made to sh- shut down chapters to the policies that we utilize to make those decisions. I think that there has been enough pushback and enough requests and, 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 and comments and, and reach out that would warrant us to take a deep look at what are the inequities of our organization and how can we create a more equitable space that is a safe space for all brothers and for all who are interested. Um, still, you know, with with selective membership, I think there's ways we can go about that. So I'm, I'm glad to see that there is a DEI task force mm-hmm. that is being put together so that we can incorporate that into a standing committee, a DEI committee for, for years to come. And mm-hmm. it's a start. So I, I'm, I'm glad to see that. On a personal, the challenge 
that that comes from this. And I, again, I just want to be very open and frank about this is from, you know, I, I read the comments, I get the emails, I get the messages. And the thing that has hurt me the most is essentially being as, as a, an, as, as an Asian American, as a member of the LBGTQIA plus community, as a person, you know, who grew up in an, in an immigrant family, I oftentimes am whitewashed and kind of blended in. And to me that, that is, that's very hurtful, mm-hmm. but I, I recognize that it comes from a place of hurt, years of hurt, years of mistrust, years of issues. So for me, the biggest challenge has been, how do I still show up, listen to this important feedback and move to be more solution oriented, but also show up and listen to simply as an, as an, to be empathetic, to, to show the empathy to our brothers who have had that hurt, who have, you know, who had that mistrust and just showing up as a leader and not taking things personally. So to me, that has been the biggest challenge. And I, I think I can speak for the other council members as well as each of them having to show up and, and taking this criticism and harsh feedback as well. But I'm, I'm, again, I'm glad that there is, there are steps that we're, that are being taken toward a more positive, hopefully tangible change. Absolutely. There's a difference between, well, and you just have to figure out what people are wanting just to be heard and mm-hmm. one and what people are wanting to help find solutions. Yeah. And that's really tough to do. And weed through <laughs> those insults and not fun things like, hey, I'm human too. Thank you. But okay, I hear what you're saying. I get that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so my next question for you is... Mentorship and guidance and having teachers education, that's something that's really important to both of our organizations and Mm -hmm. music and band and all that as well. So I wanted to know, you know, as we're kind of talking about these tough times and these challenges, I want to know, do do you have a leader or do you have a mentor or person or maybe even persons that you go to for advice and guidance during these tough times? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I think it's not one set person. I think through both organizations, uh, through time, I think you kind of develop a tribe And that's a way to, I wouldn't say survive, but that's the word that's coming to mind in my head right now. I think uh, through my experience, I have so many people that have encouraged and helped and just been alongside. I think our national council, the five of us all are first and foremost friends and listen to each other. So I think that helps us all be stronger. Yeah, for sure. Uh, As I've talked about before, Adrian and I have been in knowledge of each other. We were chapter presidents together so many years ago when we first, and then we were on district alumni association together on the council, then different ways. And so she's definitely, I guess, I don't even think the kids say this anymore. I'm going to be an old person and say she's my ride or die, I would say. (laughs) A lot of ways, but I think um, just a different group of people, just in different ways. Uh, Us as a national council, we probably talk daily and just throw ideas back and forth at each other if we're having frustrating times, especially last summer when with the Black Lives Matter movement was really, it was helpful to lean on each other as we needed each other to listen and throw ideas off at each other and just have a safe space to be able to help our population and help us grow stronger through this. Even like, I think it's important. I would, I would say any of the other four national council members, I could say anything that was on my mind, throw anything. And I would not fear being judged, thrown off council or anything, which I think is helpful. And I try to do that for younger members and fellow counselors that I was with, with um, EC members. There's definitely a group like Sue Carr, who's one of my favorite people. Uh, we were on the EC together. She's she's a former chair of the board of trustees, and she's done a lot of things. She has a lot of historical knowledge. She's one that if I'm really struggling with something, I'll call her, and she'll give me a lot of perspective about that is completely different, opposite way that I possibly had thought about before, and even the National Council would think, just because it's that different wealth of knowledge. But yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's good. Yeah, I think it's always important. And like, I mean, to everyone listening, I hope that you have, I mean, it doesn't, just, it doesn't have to just be that one person it could be different people that could help you out in different areas of life. Like you need that, like yeah. we are humans. And especially during these isolating times, like draw from each other, could be there for each other, like learn from each other. Like we, we need that human connection and even mm-hmm. more so like it's continuing to build that trust in that relationship. Absolutely. I think one reason I joined Tau Beta Sigma rather than like we had SAI and Phi Mu Alpha and a couple other music organizations. What really drew me to KK Psy and TBS was we were all there for music, but there was 
such a wealth of different abilities and knowledge. Like I think I was the only music major for a few years in my chapter and I loved that. And I still love that we come from different backgrounds and we give different advice. As much as I love my band teacher colleagues and their friends, and we all help each other professionally, I love this organization for all the different other things and perspectives. I I think it's cool. So I love that. Yeah. Next question, Bong. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew as a national leadership member? Uh, This question is great because uh, I actually have a list in in my notes uh, on my phone that I have started for whoever steps into the VPSA role after me and and hopefully for years to come up things I wish I would have known. If I had to point out one specific thing is that there are... There, there, there are lots of policies, procedures, and nuances to things that don't, uh, don't particularly apply to your position as, as VPSA, but just as a national officer as a whole. So for example, when it comes to chapter disciplinary issues, when it comes to not, you know, chapters not filling out reports, to even just, you know, when am I supposed to submit something for the podium? I mean, there's right. just these deadlines, these policies, there's like, so there are things that have existed for many, many years and throughout different councils. So for me, it's, it's that piece of it I didn't know, something that I'll, I'll give advice on for people who are listening. And this, I think, applies for any positions that it's okay to take your time to learn because there are certain things that you can try to prepare for, but honestly, until you are actually in the action of it, that you, where you can act, you can ask questions and you can actually mess up, like you won't fully have that learning experience. Um, so even though like these are things I didn't know, I wish I would have known, I don't know if I would have been able to make the right decisions or acted upon it in a, in a fully knowledgeable and, and positive way if I haven't actually sat in those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. <laughs> but yes, so many things. And if anyone ever wants to have a conversation about other things I should have known, happy to discuss because Again, there's a whole list. Okay, Leslie, next question here is, so serving as a national leader, but just, you know, we, we are volunteers. We don't get paid for this. Absolutely. This is after a, a hard day at work, a busy day at work. Uh, sometimes it's may, maybe even during work, but burnout is a thing. And especially okay. Zoom burnout is a thing as well. So I wanted to know what activities do you do when you start to feel burnt out from sorority work? And what signs or red flags do you notice when you're starting to feel that way? Yeah, excellent question. I'd say easy answer to that is just to avoid burnout. I like to, if I start to feel it come on, it's usually I start to feel burnout come on if I get annoyed with just simple little things. Like if I get an email asking just a simple question, I'm just like, why would they even think that? Why would they think that's an appropriate thing to ask? I'm like, okay, hold on. Let's, let's calm down now. And as a teacher of uh, fifth grade beginning band students, you would think I would learn patience sometimes now, Um, but sometimes it doesn't even transfer sometimes professional life. And I don't know, I'm sure you can agree that professional life has a different realm Uh, when you're getting paid for something rather than you're volunteering your time. You sometimes get the wrong attitude with feelings that way. So sometimes you just gotta check yourself like I do if I start to feel that annoyance. Uh, One thing I do when I notice that burnout, even if I do have time, lots of time that day to do TBS stuff, I limit myself to getting a certain amount of tasks done. Sometimes that helps like, because we can both say that you could go all day working for the organizations and there's still more to do. Absolutely. But is that helpful in the long run in a lot of ways, which no, no is the correct answer to that. I like to And I do this with my professional work too, and even just stuff around my house. Uh, I limit, I like to limit myself to three specific things I want to do that day. And that's kind of just strategic planning and find a easy thing, something I want to do, find a difficult thing that needs to get done that I've kind of been putting off. I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Appreciate that. And and honestly, like like you said, I think it's so true. Like the work will always be there. Like Mm -hmm. it will be there. It's okay. Like for you to take a step away, it will be there tonight. It will be there tomorrow. It'll be there next. And it's, it reminds me of, um, it's like that magician's trick where you're pulling the, all the handkerchiefs and it just continues to go. And like, no matter how much work you're, you're doing and how, how accomplished you feel like, wow, there's still a lot more work to do. So Okay, when am I going to stop feeling accomplished for doing this? When I do the 10th task for the day, maybe I should stop before then. Like, yeah. <laughs> or 
it becomes a thing. Still find ways to get excited about what you're doing and stuff like this. Like, I'm really happy that we're here talking to each other now. This is re-energizing me just from a different perspective. Uh, You and I get emails back and forth. We're on the same email list a lot of times and we chat occasionally, but just this interaction, I think, is making me all warm and fuzzy inside. So good. Yeah. And that helps for the next question. This will set up that softball for you. Uh, how has your experience with Tau Beta Sigma been? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> and great, great segue too. So nice. I'll need to take note of that. My experience with Tau Beta Sigma, I would say has been, it's, it's, it's always been positive because it mainly because I've, I've always been so curious about how the organization works. Uh, Cause of course there are a lot of similarities and I think the beautiful thing is that like we are two separate organizations with differences and being able to respect that and, and honor those differences, I think is very important. So even from when I first became a member of Alpha Zeta, you know, from early on, I, I served as our uh, joint relations chair and got to work with Caitlin, who was in our marching band and, and was a, a TBS sister. And, you know, we plan anything from the different ceremonies to the events and, you know, to wrap up the year with a big banquet. So like, you know, it's always been about how can we respect differences, wants, needs, but still be able to to have fun at the end of the day and, and just to, to build the, those relationships. And even to today where uh, Tanya Mitchell, uh, Dr. Tanya Mitchell, you know, she, she was my drum major at IU, was a, a brother of, of Kappa Kappa Psi as well. And to see that, you know, to see like, it's like, wow, like this is amazing. Like the fact that my old drum major is now on a national council at the same time I'm on a national council. It's always been a, a it's been a positive experience because, because I get to, in a sense, like be a spectator. I get to be a spectator and watch like, what do people see when they look at KKSI and TBS? Like, what do they get? To, they, what do they get to experience? So, like, even my first national convention, in Springfield, uh, where you know, at National Council at, at that banquet, where all the sisters linked arms and started to sing, like that was powerful to me because I didn't know the words, I didn't really know what was happening, but I got to experience it still. But again, like respecting the differences, respecting the fact that TBS is its own unique organization. So. I mean, I can't say good uh, enough good things about TBS. And again, just thank you for the opportunity to be a part of something more TBS related as well with this podcast. Absolutely. I think this is <laughs> exciting for both of us through our different challenges with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I wanted to ask next, looking at your time as an active member to today, what would you pinpoint as would be the, the biggest change Um, in the organization? I think the way that we're able to get things done electronically, I wouldn't say I was around back when fire was invented, but there was definitely email and stuff. But I remember, I need to not be do the old person talking thing, but I remember when our my first district council meetings were via Yahoo chat, and that was like a big deal back in the day. So I think we're able to evolve as an organization through what we can do through technology. There's so many things that I'm always amazed with what we're able to do for free. Like we find different things. I've learned part of my job as VPCR is uh, to communicate with our members to make sure that they are feeling informed, that they're feeling engaged. There's no way I could do this. I thought I could do this without a graphic design degree, but then this magic thing called Canva showed up and I'm like, okay, I got this. Like that's, that's my enjoyable Sunday afternoons is just whipping some stuff up and feeling like I could try to be Robert someday, but I know that's not going to happen. You know, like I'm always impressed even more with Robert as I try to do that stuff. And I think, I think the national leadership, we've uh, expanded so much And even the time I've been on national leadership uh, with our chapter visitation assistant program, which is uh, paralleled to CFR program, but instead of two um, usually recent alumni members of the Brotherhood going and doing wellness checks, basically, and visiting chapters, we have a group of usually young alumni leaders that uh, volunteers that go and make that interaction. I think that has helped our organization so much just in our health, in our wellness of each chapter. I think that personal connection has really helped. I think 
we've expanded our counselor crew. So I think we've put more boots on the ground to um, physically make that connection, um, that direct connection with chapters. And I think that has really been helpful. We had a counselor call last night, actually. We usually, we do those every month in National Council. We come on and Adrian, we each have our things that we talked with the counselors about, and then they bring up concerns. We're starting to see less late paperwork, less chapters on probation, everything like that because of that proactive measure, which I'm really happy with. I'm really proud of. That's why I wanted to be a part of leadership from whatever realm I've done is just to make this organization better. And I think we really have. I love to hear that. And I, again, it's it's those moments where we get to see the impact, we get to see the results, the growth. I mean, it, it makes all the stress, the burnout, all the extra work worth it. It does. It really does. When you are able to look through the late paperwork and see you're like, oh, that chapter, front. yes, all right, that chapter got it together. That's amazing. Like, yeah. that's absolutely. So next question, Bong, what is the biggest difference between being an active district leader and a life member national leader? Yeah, so again, it's one of those questions where there's like, there's, of course, there's, there's so much that does change. But I would say that the biggest thing, the biggest difference for me and that I would, I would encourage everyone to at least think about is you spend like you may it may you may assume that being a national leader you do more talking you do more of the leading you do more of the directing mm-hmm. and there's parts of that that are true but the biggest difference is that as a national leader really you should be spending more time listening and not just listening to respond but just listening and I, I've I've discovered the power and impact it can make on somebody, especially our students who are, who are struggling right now, is just showing up and listening to their concerns and listening to their frustrations. And just showing that like, you know, we as humans, as volunteers, as humans on this National Council, like we are here to serve you. And I think that act of, of listening just to be there with people is so very important and impactful because I, I don't know the phrase exactly. It's like, you know, people don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's so true because you know, we can have the smartest people, the most talented people in National Council, but until people that we are leading, that we are serving, until they know that we truly do care about them as individuals, I don't know what work we can or should be doing because that it's not sustainable. Because I think the work that we do with the changes that we make live in those relationships, live in people. And if those relationships aren't there and the people are no longer there because they don't feel like this organization's for them, then the work that we've done have just disappeared. Yeah. The changes that we've made, the impacts and, and, and you know, it, it, it's changing. I always look back at Jack Lee, sorry, Dr. Jack Lee uh, <laughs> was national president when I was district, when I was district president and his vision of Kappa Kappa Psi matters. How can we, we program our work? How can we make sure that people feel like the work they're doing on the chapter district national level in band with their schoolwork, with their family? How can we help them discover that like that stuff matters. That work matters. So that has really honestly living with me. And again, the biggest change has been actively listening, listening just to be there with people, not just to respond. Absolutely. That's just a sign of growing up and evolving within an organization. As you get higher up in power, I guess we could call it, you get more humble and listen to the needs more. I think that's really cool. And also you are a man after my own heart because every mission statement I've made personally has that quote in it. So that really... Oh my gosh, my heart just leapt out of my chest. I'm like, what? Oh my God, go on. Oh, all right. You're about to make me cry. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, honestly, like, you know, throughout all 2020 and, you know, this extension of 2020, I have shed many tears. So I welcome any moment to cry with people. (laughs) We're there. We are there, good sir. We are there. Okay. So what I wanted to ask is, so at least for me, I know that I'm not the best at keeping music alive in my life. And even though I have my instrument, even though I, you know, I I practice conducting a lot just as a part of uh, showing my musicality, it's not something that like, I have built into my time or like actively do it. So I want to know how do you keep music alive in an active part of your life? And what advice do you have for both brothers and sisters who want to do the same? Absolutely. I think personally, it's easy being a band director, but then it's almost harder for personal music building because you spend all day teaching fifth grade flute lessons. Do you really want to go home and do score study or anything after hot cross buns? I'm not quite sure. But I'd say, I think we as a society and as bands and music lovers, we need to think outside of the traditional roles. It doesn't always necessarily mean 
to be need to be picking up an instrument and playing through a method book. I think finding a podcast that talks about classical music and just digs into it a little bit, even finding different music through Zumba classes, even just doing something different, like finding something else that about music. It doesn't have to be marching bands as much as we love them. You can find some other type of music maybe you like, and I think that would help cultivate your love of music just as much as anything else. I really appreciate, Bong, you talked about uh, conducting. That's one of my least favorite things to do sometimes, uh, honestly. And that's okay. Like, there's just lots of different opportunities. Uh, Something Siobhan, uh, our National Vice President for Special Projects, really worked on is a for greater practice practice initiative for our members. And on paper, or if you just heard that title out loud, it would sound like you pick up an instrument and practice so much a day. But she's really expanded and listened to our students and has provided multiple different opportunities. Maybe it's picking up and learning another instrument. Maybe it's doing some movement work with flags just to see how that perspective works, stuff like that. So I think thinking outside those traditional roles, I think, and just realizing if you're in, I keep going back to Zumba because that's just on my mind right now, but that really, like I've done Zumba for the last nine months since the pandemic, and that has deepened my love of music so much that I was not expecting. As this classical music, French horn player, like classically trained musician nerd that way, I'm just like, holy cow, I really like this stuff. I really like this Hispanic hip hop stuff. Like, what is this? This is amazing. So don't be afraid to find different ways to enjoy music, I think is cool. I love that. And I, can I just say that like I ever since high school, I've been obsessed with Zumba and have done it, have done, I mean, any any moment I get to the point where I looked into getting certified because the, yeah. the uh, in college, um, I really wanted to, to lead sessions. And even to this day, like I've really wanted to do it. And, you know, I, I think you touch on something that to me is very important is, you know, we, we grew up in, in a band, in a Western band world and marching band and all that. And I think that there's beauty and power to that as well. But being open to listen to other cultures music, just really listening. And even if you can't understand the words, like I, there's just so much depth to to different culture and, and cultures and, and music and, and the celebration of or just the, you know, the, the acknowledgement of sadness, of sorrow, celebration of life, celebration of happiness. I mean, there's just so much to music that I love that TBS is doing. And I, I hope to incorporate that some someday as well with our uh, month, month to musicianship. Absolutely. I think there could be a lot of collaboration there. And if it's just you and me, like getting people to a Zumba class. So I almost feel like this is a stepbrothers moment where I'm just like, are we best friends now? Because that's, that's, that's where I'm at, Long. I, I love it. Throw that out there. And that's okay. You can, you can take it or leave it. I'm, I'll take it. I'll accept it. All right. Okay. Thank you for your love. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. What are you most thankful for with your colleagues on the Kappa Kappa Psi National Council? Yes. So again, I'll just reiterate this first, that it's been a very tough two years and any human being would go through many different emotions and people handle things differently. So let me just preface with that. So what I'll say is, again, just to be frank and open with people so they kind of know what's happening behind the scenes. Not everyone gets along all the time. Right. Absolutely. We all have our own experiences, our passion points and things that we will like, this is the, like, you will draw the line in the sand. Like I am willing, this is the, the hill I'm going to die, die on for this. We have butted heads. We have had heated conversations. I mean, like I, number of times I have just like scoffed something off, like this was stupid. Or when I see a mess, I was like, nope, you will not talk to me today. The thing that I appreciate the most and the most thankful for when it comes to the other mem- members of the National Council, again, because we don't always vote the same. We don't always right. think the same. Like there, there are differences. And when those differences do collide into a more heated debate, battle, whatever you want to call it, what I appreciate most is the fact that eventually when people are ready, they still come back, show up to do the work mm-hmm. that is needed. I oftentimes look at the oath. I oftentimes like, I have to like, you know, after my tantrum or whatever, uh, or just like me needing some space, uh, like, well, are you being a good brother right now? And right. I have to ask myself, okay, did you, okay, yes, you needed some space. Yes, you needed to, to stand up for what you believe in. Did you do it respectfully? Good, okay. So like, I have to go through myself with these questions and I, I'm assuming the others are as well. And the fact that again, they're still willing to show up, to hold meetings, to hold votes, 
because I mean, so many people could be like, you know what? Peace out, Girl Scout. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done with this and it's too much, but they still show up. They still do the work. And I just have to say like that, that's a lot of grit that takes a lot of, of heart and, and just in general trust and, and, and love for the organization. So I would say that's the thing that I am most thankful for. Absolutely. That's a fantastic answer. It's not like if the whole council all had the exact same thoughts, is that the national council you would want? Is that, is there growth from that? There's yeah. not, there's not at all. So yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important to point out too, because it's not like, you know, it's not like a, a, like a political party where we're running on the same ticket. Like we right. are individuals running for different positions and things kind of, you know, crazy things have happened at national council with, with elections. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're all coming in with our own goals, agendas, visions, and things will clash. So right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Leslie. So with the pandemic, something that I have learned to appreciate is game night. Before the pandemic, I there's if there's one thing I did not want to do was game night because it's like I did not want to waste my time just sitting around doing nothing. Right. But I have learned to love game night, and I wanted to know with you if you could have a game night with any woman composer, conductor, music educator, or performer, who would it be? And it could be past, present. Ooh, that's a million dollar question. Oh man, I saw that for a second like earlier and I'm like, I have no idea. And I've kind of been throwing names through my head. And if I would say present wise, I would just go for present. And one thing that I like, I kind of went into my TBS journey on one reason. Another reason I love this organization is I get to interact with some of these living legends. And that's Maybe one reason I keep coming back, I had this conversation, it was, it's been a couple years, but one of uh, my best friends in the organization, his name is Jason Dornbush, and he is two years younger than me. We both were from the Zeta New chapter, and he currently serves on the Tabita Sigma Board of Trustees. So he's definitely another person that we talk, we go through everything together. And I remember talking with him when... I think it was 2015 or 2017 when I was counselor and I got asked to conduct reading band for the first time at national convention. Like that's huge. Like I was so scared. I was so excited. And I remember talking with Jason about it. I'm just like, why? Like what, when, when did this happen? When I never, I didn't know that's what this organization, that that's, that's what it would be for me. And he's like, I don't know either for you, but I've always seen that. So just do it. Like, it's fine. That's, that's your role and that's okay. Like there's no reason to bucket. So going along with that, uh, Julie Giroux is one of my favorite people in the world. I could just sit and listen to her for hours. I have sat and listened to her for hours and even watching uh, her work with bands and just the inspiration she leads as a woman in music, I think is really cool. I would love to sit and play the game of life with her or something like just (laughs) standard board game like that. Like that would just be a riot. So that's my non-conclusive, but now conclusive answer for the sake of the podcast. So. I love that. I love that. Of course. I mean, like there are obviously, I mean, there's just so many good options. So I, I don't blame you and I apologize for such a hard question. No, no, no. You're all good. Like, but it's helpful to remember, like one thing is my musical journey is a lot of ways. I didn't realize it till maybe five years ago. I was like, I had not had a female band director in all of my time, even a French horn teacher. It was all males. I'm like, why? Like, how is that different? How do I see females then in the band world? Do I look at them as different? Do I look at them that I could do it because I'm a female? Is there a reason that this fully capable person is not getting the same opportunities? And I'm like, no, like, and things are evolving that I'm getting a chance to recognize these amazing people, which is, I think is really cool and take that time there. So no, that was a great question. That was an eye-opening question. So yeah. So Bong, we're getting near, unfortunately, we're getting near the end of this. We have a finite amount of questions. I'm really excited about this one just because we've evolved our friendship, I think, in this past hour. Honestly, I think it's been really cool. And I hope people on the podcast will enjoy it. If not, we're sorry, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm this is an authentic conversation, I would say. Uh, what is an interesting fact about yourself that no brother or sister would know? Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm such an open book in general. So like, there's very few things people don't know about me. But I mean, I guess uh, there are aspects of my family life that I don't talk about often, just culturally, because that's just what I've, I've been raised on. So I, one thing I'll mention uh, is I grew up 
I, I'm the oldest son of two immigrant parents and I was in a household that spoke Vietnamese, Cantonese, Mandarin, like, so English was not there, okay. <laughs> turning out. So oh. growing throughout school and again, growing up in Nebraska and in uh, Indiana, uh, English was very, very hard to learn. Absolutely. And even still that. to this, even still to this day, I, I struggle from time to time. I have to really think through things, especially if I'm reading. And even, even in like conversation, like I've learned like, you know, there's like, I think there, it's called idioms and there's like certain phrases that are colloquialisms, like certain things that certain areas use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I remember growing up when I heard the phrase de beating a dead horse, I was like, excuse me? Like, like why would you, what? what right so there's just like many aspects of of the english language that it's still to say i'm learning and i like i often ask ask questions and it's like oh what does this mean or what does that mean or so it, it's been a journey i'm proud of the work that i've put into into my english and you know sometimes people i think not knowingly they say oh your, your english is so good i was like well it can be sometimes and when i'm really focused on it but in general like i don't think in English I don't dream in English and I, like I haven't actually like thought about that until college until someone asked me and like you know when I curse when I stub my toe like it's it's not in English and something else I'll, I'll mention as well just because this is I always love to mention this that I'm a, I'm a huge mama's boy okay uh, my mom and I are best friends and we are essentially the same person and I love her to death and she's I love mom so big mama's boy and English is not my first language so those are some interesting facts about me <laughs> absolutely interesting those are really cool I did not know that that's cool yeah. stuff. Okay. awesome awesome okay so for my last question for you Leslie here is and I wanted to I, it's like, I mean this is this is something special so like Kappa Kappa side we just celebrated our centennial in Stillwater I don't know if a lot of people uh, brothers know or especially those who are uh, younger newer brothers but for those who do not know, could you tell us a little bit more about this, uh, about TBS's 75th celebration and are there ways that brothers can partake in, in celebrating the sisters? Absolutely. Thank you very much for that question. I think this semester was our goal on National Council was to formulate and we've basically have our idea and now it's just executing those things. So this is going to be for both the brothers and the sisters, I think. Absolutely. So of Saturday of National Convention. So National Convention is July 13th through 16th. That's Tuesday through Friday. Then on uh, Saturday morning, uh, we are planning the 75th celebration extravaganza. It's going to be fantastic. Really excited about it. We got the convention center uh, for an extra day for this opportunity. Um, we'll be serving a brunch and uh, there will be uh, one thing that the Board of Trustees is doing, and we have several committees working on things, is uh, doing a living history exhibit, which I think will be really, really cool. We'll have areas with like basically museum displays of past artifacts of the organization. So you're going to feel like you're walking through there. There will be videos up of interviews of our past national leaders and the evolution of the organization. And I definitely uh, will have leaders speak uh, from both organizations on the history and celebrating our past and continuing our future, which I'm really excited uh, about. It's going to be that celebration part is going to be similar to the 100th, the centennial celebration. Jen De Benedetto is uh, the coordinator, which she did the centennial, so it's very similar in that way. And I wanted to uh, save the best part of it for last. We will have a donut wall that's at the celebration. So if anything, please attend so you can eat a donut off a wall. It's going to be great. We encourage both brothers and sisters to attend. Uh, all are welcome. It's not limited to just sisters. Uh, we will do a Founders Day ceremony. The National Council will. There will be, like I said, speakers, everything like that. But most importantly, the donut wall. It will be a small cost. Uh, registration for active members will be a smaller cost. And then alumni uh, will be a little bit larger to help offset those costs because we encourage active members specifically to attend. But all are welcome. Please take the time to do so. We will be done by noon that day. So if people would like to travel that afternoon, please do so. So we're really excited about it. And we yeah. really want everybody to be a part of it and to help celebrate this yeah. exciting adventure, definitely. So love that. I love that. I mean, I, for one, I'm very excited as well. Just to, again, just to, to be able to observe the sisters doing their thing. I, that's something that's so very special. And if, if may I just put out, if you 
If you need a person to handle any leftover donuts, you can hit me up. I have right. no problem with it. I can be the cleanup crew. I'm, I'm happy to do so. Excellent. I will put your name first on that list. I will get that going. I will start the negotiations on that okay. matter. We will have our special guest with the donut uh, disposal duties. That sounds perfect. But I yeah. love <laughs> But yeah, I, I think we're near the end. This has been such a fantastic time. I really appreciate uh, taking the time, just myself and Yubong, uh, that we went out of both of our comfort zones. I would no, I was not concerned, but I was like, how is this going to work? Like listening to your podcast and really feeling inspired off of it. I'm like, how are we going to not talk the whole time? How are we going to play off of each other? And there was nothing to worry about. So it's all good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Again, one, I just wanted to say thank you for the idea, the reach out. And, you know, this, I, I hope that brothers and sisters and people everywhere are inspired to, to find creative ways to, to continue conversations, to connect. And again, even though it may be over Zoom or even though it may be kind of like the same format, I think you can you can change up the content in a way that is gonna be meaningful for each other. And again, just Leslie, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, your responses and, and your questions as well. Like I, this, this has definitely been a bright spot of my day, so. Absolutely, I don't think it could have gone any better. <laughs> If you have any questions, concerns, feedback, or have suggestions for future episodes, please check out the For Greater Knowledge Facebook page. On that page is a Google form to submit your feedback. You may also contact me directly. You may email me at lesler at tbsigma.org. That is L-E-S-L-E-R. You are also free to find me on Facebook. I am also in charge of our national social media, so you may contact me through our national Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram pages as I check each of those daily. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you learned something. And remember to go forth with much love in the bond.